Before we get started, I want to let you know about a few upcoming programs. They had a dream. We have a dream. C.G. Jung, Martin Luther King Jr., and the evocative power of symbols with Jennifer Lee Selig, Ph.D., on Friday, October 4th, 2019, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And we have returning this year Thomas More for An Enchanted Life, two days with New York Times bestselling author Thomas More on Friday, October 18th, and Saturday, October 19th, 2019, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. More information about those programs is available on our website, youngchicago.org. Welcome to the Jungian Anthology Podcast, analytical psychology seminars from the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago. Today we have something a little different than our usual program from the archives. It's an interview with Marcus West. Marcus West is a training and supervising analyst of the Society of Analytical Psychology and is co-editor-in-chief of the Journal of Analytical Psychology. He is author of a number of book chapters and papers, one of which was the joint winner of the Michael Fordham Prize in 2004. He is also author of three books, Feeling, Being, and the Sense of Self, Understanding Dreams in Clinical Practice, and Into the Darkest Places, Early Relational Trauma and Borderline States of Mind. He is a trained EMDR practitioner and works in private practice in Sussex, England. More information about him can be found at marcusquest.co.uk. Marcus will be leading a full-day seminar on December 13th, 2019. In this interview, we want to introduce Marcus West to our community and learn a little bit about his background, his work, and some of what he plans to talk about in December. Registration will be open in October at youngchicago.org. Join our mailing list to be notified when registration opens. Interviewing Marcus is Arlo Compan, member of the Chicago Society of Jungian Analysts, past director of the Analyst Training Program at the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago, and Jungian Analyst in private practice in Chicago and Frankfort, Illinois. A few notes before we get to the interview. The book discussed at the beginning of the interview is Marcus's most recent book, Into the Darkest Places, Early Relational Trauma and Borderline States of Mind. A link to that is available in the show notes. August Swick's work on the Rosarium is discussed, a recent lecture about which is available for download from our website. Lastly, Marcus mentions a Friday program and a Saturday program. The Friday program is open to the public, while the Saturday program is for the candidates in our analyst training program and is not open to the public. If you would like any more information about our analyst training program, just visit our website. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by looking at our online store, finding something you're interested in, and downloading that. So, now here's the interview. So, I 
appreciate uh, being able to meet you this way, Marcus. Uh, likewise, likewise. Uh, and we're really looking forward to your being here in December. I think uh, candidates and analysts are uh, getting uh, fairly excited and looking forward to it. So, oh, uh, me too. I've got it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it uh, should be a good time to get it. I have, uh, just for your information, I have used your book in uh, a course that I've taught to the candidates. Um, I do a reading group with uh, general uh, therapists, and we've used it there, and uh, it's been very well received. I really like it. Uh, thank you, thank you. Fits Good. very well with some of my own approaches, so um, we'll be glad to talk a bit about uh, some of that. So it's heartening to hear that other it resonates with other people, because as you probably know, you write these things in the in the dark, as it were, and uh, it's good to know that uh, it's kind of it's familiar to other people and they engage with it. Yes, well, I'm very, myself, I'm very interested in attachment material and uh, affect regulation material. Uh, right. My specific interest has been in uh, shame dynamics and the management of shame material. Oh, right, uh, very, okay. So yeah. the dissociative material is also a, a great deal of interest for me, so. Well, related to shame. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're planning to talk about on in December uh, with us and give yeah. us a little tantalizing idea of what we're working with, huh? Okay. Well, if I start with the Saturday, really, uh, which kind of works historically for me, because the book that you've read, The Into the Darkest Places, um, uh, was my it was the book that was published a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I beg your pardon. And um, it, uh, as you know, kind of outlines work with those kind of challenging uh, clients who uh, really, really involve you deeply in the process. And um, the book was kind of my understanding of, of that work and relating that to their early relational experience and relating it into the, those early relational dynamics and how that therefore gets manifest in the relationship with the analyst. And the particular challenges, how how you work with that, uh, how the analyst develops, um, how issue, I mean, issues come up about self-disclosure um, and dealing with the, the person's kind of deep distress. So that's that was the kind of and that's kind of largely what I'm going to be talking about on the Saturday. But what sort of happened after that is that having got to the end of that process, I realized that actually my clients were still struggling in certain ways. And so, of course, these things, as I'm sure you, you would probably agree, is uh, always led from the consulting room. And so I kind of continued my work and this led deeper and deeper into what I call sort of narcissistic states of mind, by which I mean, I, the things I'm going to be talking about on Saturday are kind of what, what uh, the world does to us, the kind of traumas and how we adapt to those and how we react to those and how they impact on our personality. But I guess that the, the things I'm going to be talking about on Friday and starting off with on Friday is more about our intrinsic psychological dispositions, what we're sensitive to, how as an infant we need to start off by kind of managing the amount of distress and pain we can, we can bear, evacuating some of it as a way of, uh, a way of communicating with the other person, maintaining control or withdrawing from relationship to a certain extent. So all those things that, you know, for the infant, I think are absolutely necessary but that how those kind of continue through into adult life and become problematic. 
that's essentially the, the essence of the Friday uh, talks on narcissism. But what kind of what's so exciting about these things when you're working on them is that you've suddenly discovered links. And what, what emerged for me with those was to discover how these early, so firstly, how understanding these, these things that my narcissistic patients, for, excuse the, the, the label, um, were bringing related very much to these early states of mind. So that helped me get on side with them and realize then that actually what Jung talks about in terms of individuation, the process of development, very much goes along with how those are developed and how, how the person comes to terms with their own infantile parts, how they need to perhaps disidentify with those in certain ways. And that takes us into the whole Jungian sphere of, of spiritual experience, um, which I feel actually is present in, in every session. And I'd be interested to discuss that with, with you over there. Um, how, how it's about getting a, that kind of critical distance from these things, engaging with it and, and remaining uh, and, and having a perspective on it. So, I mean, you know, much as Jung says about the relationship between the ego and the self, you know, that we sort of engage with these things, but also mustn't identify too much. Or if we do, then certain things follow. We get swallowed up uh, or we, we become inflated or, 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 and so forth. That, that sort of need to develop a good perspective and being able to see how some of that early developmental material keeps sort of popping up in our adult experiences and being able to observe it. Huh? All the time. And how it's natural that we want to avoid having too much distress and pain and struggle. But if we avoid it too much, then we become rigid and uh, we kind of put things out into other people uh, that they have to deal with, that we're kind of denying our own struggles. And it's about becoming human, allowing ourselves to, to experience pain and, and, uh, and difficulty. And, and I guess the core of what I'm going to be saying on, on the Friday talks is how I, uh, I went back to Jung, what Jung says about the, uh, the rosarium and looked at the full 20 woodcuts of the rosarium. And I think it offers just the most fantastic picture of that development. I mean, it's, uh, I know that Gus, uh, Gus Quick over there in Chicago has, has looked at them before. So yeah. I'm going to follow footsteps along with Mason uh, Schwarzerland. Um, but sort of... Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to unpacking that as well, because I think it, it really, in a very detailed way, tells us about that, that development, the development of the individual and overcoming one's narcissism and, you know, suffering things and being part of the world and becoming incarnated. So uh, these are some of the things uh, I'm going to be speaking about. Oh, that's great. Uh, I think there'll be a great deal of interest. Uh, we've all been sort of influenced by Gus's work with the Rosarium and I've heard yeah. him talk about it a lot. So. Uh, We'll be eager, I think, to hear some more uh, from your perspective on it. Yeah, he was the first person I showed my uh, paper to uh, that I'm going to be giving in Vienna. And so we, I think we're, we're coming from different directions, but, in, you know, sort of interestingly, sort of, uh, well, it'll be very interesting to hear a have a dialogue with him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you. That's a good sort of overview. We look forward to it. I think narcissism has uh, sort of risen in our consciousness uh, here in America because we, I, I think we have a leader who uh, has a lot of struggle with narcissistic material. So uh, those of us who are clinicians have been thinking, I think, a good bit about that. And in the last couple of weeks, so do we over here in, uh, in the UK. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> well, it, to give us a little orientation, maybe it would be helpful if you could talk a little bit about what has been your kind of, your current position and activity that you're currently uh, about. 
Well, so I'm, I'm a member of the, uh, the SAP, the Society of Analytical Psychology, which is uh, founded by uh, Fordham and, and some colleagues of his. And uh, as you may or may not know, he kind of was interested to develop uh, Jung's ideas about childhood. He was a child analyst as well. And he particularly turned to psychoanalytic work. And sort of, so the SAP very much sort of has been a, taken a developmental view and integrated psychoanalytic thinking. As, uh, and that's, that's kind of the legacy that sort of we've inherited from Fordham. So personally, I was influenced by that and sort of, you know, uh, first kind of struggled a bit with Jung himself because it uh, uh, kind of took me a while to really to appreciate him. But in recent years, very much more, I've kind of discovered Jung for myself. And so he's become very central to me. Uh, so th there's that element of the work. I've been influenced by a lot of people in the, in the SAP, people like Gene Knox, who have in integrated the uh, early relational work and the attachment theory, and uh, Warren Coleman. We've had lots of good discussions. Um, and so professionally, I've kind of been doing things like that. I've sort of uh, been also very much influenced by uh, sort of both attachment theory and um, trauma theory, you know, uh, all that kind of recent stuff by the, the kind of Randa Cope and uh, Ogden Minton and Payne, all those kind of really good, and, and Stephen Porges uh, kind of plays a large part in my kind of current thinking. Um, so I kind of, that's my, that's not the SAP aspect of it. Um, uh, and uh, before that I started, uh, well, I did a degree in philosophy and economics. Uh, I then kind of, uh, I mean, of course, to get into this kind of work, you need kind of your own personal struggles. I, Probably won't go into too much of those here, but uh, sure. Uh, and uh, I guess the, the biggest influence on me was I uh, spent many years as part of a, a mystical group, um, which uh, again I won't say too much about. But it was I think that's in a way the uh, the foundation of my my experience. Uh, and so Jung very much fitted with that. Um, and from there I went to work with people with mental health difficulties in, in psychiatric hospitals and I worked for social services for a number of years working with people who were kind of rehabilitating and then training as a psychotherapist uh, first at the London Centre and then to the SAP and um, and you know now I'm kind of uh, for my sins I'm co-editor of the journal uh, of analytical psychology with with Tom Kelly uh, over there in Canada so between the two of us we uh, we uh, do a lot of, of that I don't watch any television anymore. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not a great loss, huh? <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and you, so your interest in some ways, that sort of period where you had interest in mysticism, sort of has come through in terms of the interest in uh, spiritual dynamic, um, and Jung's sort of interest in that whole realm. Uh, For a long time, it kind of wasn't integrated. You know, I kind of I knew it was what where I was coming but I couldn't see it in the work. But now, uh, as you'll hear in, in December, I kind of see, I see the essence of it in every session about how, how we think of ourselves. Um, you know, that, that, the, the things that, ego, that, that Jung talks about in terms of the ego and the self, but I've got, I've got a slightly different twist on it in the sense that I think clearly in the process of individuation that one needs a, a very disciplined ego but I guess the, the as aspect of it that I think is problematic that we need to work with is the controlling ego, the part, the part that uh, gets defensively controlling, which can very much relates back to the to early childhood. 
um, but that's the bit that needs developing so that you can speed control to the self more. And, uh, so those are the kind of things, uh, kind of my way of integrating it and, and use, using in sessions. Well, one of the concepts that um, I found really uh, very affirming to my own experience and really appreciated how you uh, sort of laid it out uh, in your book, most recent book, is the whole connection of, uh, of a co-created enactment that happens uh, and the value of it. So would you say a little bit about, more about that? Yeah, well, I mean, that very much takes up Jung's early work, well, with his uh, work in the psychology of the transference. Um, but I think, uh, hopefully, kind of, I kind of look at some of the dangers of that. And I think by putting it in the context of what's being recreated, you then have a perspective whereby you can consider it and you can look at the traumatic dynamics. But increasingly, I think it's so much about the relationship the particular relationship with the particular person, the particular the way the relationship develops, and often it's what the analyst needs to be able to uh, work with in themselves, the bit that they need to develop in themselves or discover in themselves that will take the analysis further on and, and help the, uh, the clients. And uh, in that sense, it's a humbling, but also fascinating and involving process because if you're not prepared to do the work on yourself, then you, your clients get stuck. Yeah, that's a bit of what I found really, really important is that sort of presence to be able to be attentive to your own material as an analyst uh, and, and be able to catch when the enactments are happening and, and develop some awareness of and, and to be quite affectively engaged in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely responsive and to be able to think at the same time, you know, it's, it's quite a process, isn't it? And helpfully experience helps a great deal with that but uh yes. there is a sense in that process too where you talk a bit about the analysts uh, having to deal with uh, a kind of surrender in a sense to uh, the enactment uh, and and to be able to to work with that uh, yeah and that's a that's a kind of ego defeat yes i i think just as the uh, the patient has experienced a defeat in their in their childhood experience so the analyst has to give up their wish to be narcissistically in control have to be prepared to experience feelings of failure and vulnerability and manage those of course you know um, because it's not a matter of just uh, becoming useless but you know rec you know kind of to be able to integrate those experiences of uh, powerlessness or um, hurt and pain and, and you know see what they mean in terms of the relationship with the person that you're with and, uh, but I think those those experiences are very important, which is which is part of the the gift in a way that uh, analysis allows you to continue to develop yourself in these ways and, and deepen uh -huh. your experience. And, uh, yeah, I, I always liked Jung's comment about us getting the uh, clients or patients that we need. It's a way of uh, saying uh, that we keep our own development as analysts uh, going uh, throughout uh, our own practice. Definitely, definitely, yes. Another sort of concept that I liked how you worked with uh, in the book is the whole concept of idealization. Yeah. And uh, the process of coming to accept uh, that one can live well in reality. Yeah. As opposed to thinking the only way we're going to live well is if we have what we idealize. Yes, psychoanalysts talk about idealization a lot, but it seems like just something that, you know, like it's some defense or something. 
uh, that people do, you know, this peculiar thing. Whereas, you know, if you've been, if you've been traumatized and you're living with the fear of kind of that traumatic complex being re-traumatized, of course you want to live in a world where that's not going to happen. But coming to terms with the fact that you can manage these things when they do happen and therefore live in a, in a, with the world as it is, I think is, you know, such a, such a key thing and an important thing with working with trauma, which is, I think, also a lot of the times one gets pulled out of shape because you want to spare the person the pain uh, of not having to face it. And yet, I think with experience, you realise that actually it's only in facing it together uh, yeah. that you're really helping them. Otherwise, you're just going on some uh, fantasy that isn't, you know, just further down the line, they, they're going to feel betrayed because it isn't as you as you portrayed. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a very significant kind of switch, at least in, in my own sort of training and development. Uh, that sort of switch from uh, conceptualizing myself as someone who is there to help the client feel better um, to understanding that it's walking with them to begin to accept what is the reality and that they can live well uh, without it having to be such a, uh, an ideal or perfect state. I completely agree with that, yes, that very nicely put, yes. Uh, and I think that's where, uh, where a bit of the alchemy comes in and the idea of mercurius, that actually something that you know, appears to be a bad experience, if you can stay with the, the mercurial presence of it, then you're in touch with the self, even through an experience that feels negative or that you really would rather not have. There's a, there's a value to staying with the bad things uh, and the difficult things and the painful things that as far outweighs the fact that they are painful and difficult. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's very helpful. Is there anything else that you would like to talk a little bit about before uh, we get to hear you at greater length in December? I don't think so. I think we've touched on on many things there quite quickly. I don't want to sort of uh, labor anything too much. I just hope that's wet people's appetite and I look forward to kind of engaging with them uh, when, you know, if, if they're able to come along. Um, great. Well, great. Uh, I think so too. And so we will look forward to uh, seeing you in December. Thank you very much, Marcus. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Here we go. Bye. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it all you like as long as you maintain the attribution to the speaker, but please do not change it or sell it. If you like this episode, tell your friends about us or leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about classes, training programs, videos, audio, this podcast, or to find a Jungian analyst near you, visit our website, www.jungchicago.org.